we want to do things ourselves. Now we could then go, okay, well, why is that? Maybe we don't want to do things ourselves, but for some reason, it's almost like this badge of honor. Working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis? Between walking those 10,000 steps, hydrating, making plant-based meals for our family, Pinterest-worthy lunches for our kids, spectacular date nights for our husband, and let's not forget, climbing that corporate ladder, we're asked to do these things each and every day. So much so that often it feels like we are trying to balance on the high wire of life. So welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast, hosted by me, Rosanna Brary. I'm an immigration lawyer, a mother to a teenage son, a wife, and an entrepreneur who truly believes that working women can have it all. Join me as I interview other high-achieving women, and together, let's learn about the skills and the fortitude that we need to create the happy, prosperous, and balanced life we so richly deserve. Hi, Wire Women. Do you have trouble asking for what you want? I do sometimes. I've gotten better over age, but today we're going to hear from an expert that's going to teach us how to ask for what we want and how to just communicate better. Today we have Karen Laus. Karen, welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast. Thank you. So great to have you. So everyone, just by way of background, Karen's a former corporate leader turned professional speaker, and she specializes in communication. That's tough stuff. I'm a lawyer. I'm supposed to communicate for a living. Sometimes I'm better than others. Over a 20 plus year career, she's gained rain reviews from clients such as NASA, Facebook, Google, Netflix, Sephora. She's a real slacker. Um, <laughs> she got her start in human resources at the Gap Company and found her passion for corporate training at Decker Communications, where she led a team of facilitators and traveled the globe consulting professionals on their communication skills. After 14 years, she left to pursue her entrepreneurial dream, and her mission is to eradicate self-doubt so women can stop holding back and start taking a seat at the table. Karen Laus, welcome to High Wire Woman. Thank you. What a so happy that you're here. <laughs> What's this that? Great. Yes. Okay. So we're going to solve some problems today. Excellent. Let's do it. We are going to solve some problems, and some of them are easy and some are hard. So. I'm just going to speak from my experience because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to draw stereotypes or anything. I have an immigration law firm. I've had it for 16 years. I still have a hard time asking clients for money. Go. Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Can you fix it? <laughs> okay. I'll do my best. So, well, I do think that there's, first of all, asking for anything is hard. Think about the, I know for me, it's hard to ask for help. Even things like when I travel, somebody will gladly put my luggage up if I wanted them mm -hmm. to, but no, I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it. And I do think that there's something about feeling self-sufficient that some of us are attached to, but I think the bigger challenge is the vulnerability that it is to ask someone for help, but related to money, I'd say that it is about the fear of rejection what will they say? Could be that. I mean, again, a lot of these things are speculations, but mm -hmm. also based on my experience, people doubt themselves. They think they're not worth the amount that they're going to say. And this begs for a recent story that I have to share here that about a year ago, now before COVID, I got a contract approved with a large company and I was really excited. It was a good amount of money already. And then they didn't do it because of COVID. It was a coaching gig. 
Well, they came back. I kept talking to them over time, but they finally resurfaced a year and a half later. Wow. And I went back and looked at my old contract and I thought, oh my gosh, that was when I was first starting my business. And I realized I wouldn't even do it that way. I would have charged so much more. And I came back to them and I gave the reasons why I said, hey, by the way, to give your client, the person, the person internally, the most value, I would like to change this from a three month to a six month assignment because I continue to learn that change takes time, intention and support. And in addition to that, I'm not only am I in more demand now, I have bigger client load and therefore I don't have as much time. And so my rate will be And I basically quoted two and a half times what I originally had quoted. And that was scary, but I felt Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I need to say, this is what I want. And believe it or not, they didn't even question it. Wow. And I say that in the hopes that I could inspire someone listening to go for it. Because to me, the biggest thing to keep in mind is you will never know if you don't ask. And the other thing And the lesson in that is to make sure that you give a logical reason of what your value is. And if you can make sure that you're selling the value over the price, that's going to make a huge difference. So what do you think about that? I like that. And it's funny because my team at the law firm are all women and we have one man lawyer. Mm. And we were talking about this one day and he said, I have no issue quoting fees. I feel like they're getting a bargain. I was like, oh, why did I think of that? You know, he was like, God, they're getting us. They're getting great service, like no issue. And so really interesting, but you're right. Selling your value proposition. And, you know, I think that really goes a long way. So backing it up a little bit, why do women have a hard time asking for what they want? Well, part of it is that I believe that we want to do things ourselves. Now we could then go, okay, well, why is that? Maybe we don't want to do things ourselves, but for some reason, it's almost like this badge of honor. I think you and I were talking about this Mm -hmm. another time about this badge of, okay, the busier we are, Mm -hmm. the more, just the better we look or something like that. And I think that also there's another really cool thing from a book that Pfeffer and Sutton out of Stanford wrote called the knowing doing gap. And they did all this research about why do people know that they're supposed to do a certain thing, like in corporate organizations. And they did this all over the world. And ultimately the end result, which is the point of why I bring this up, is that what they found is that human beings above all else are committed to these three things, looking good, being right, and being in control. Yes, yes, and yes. I do think that there's an element of, oh, well, I could do it better. Or I don't want to ask for help. I mean, I remember one of my friends when she first had kids, she said, I I have twins. I had to make a choice. Was I willing to let my husband do the dishes or change their diapers, even Mm -hmm. though it wasn't going to be the way I really wanted it, or it was going to be imperfect according to my perfection rules? So I do think that that's a big part of it as well, that it's we want to be in control. Yeah, I'm very guilty of that. And, you know, I pride myself on, well, I did this, I built the business, blah, 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 blah. And, and when I do ask my husband for something and he, you know, will be like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll be like, you know, I only ask you to do a few things. And blah. it's like this whole like <laughs> speech. He's like, I'll do it. Like, chill out. And he will. He will do it. Of course he will. He's happy to. But it's like, I have to give him this whole speech of everything I've ever done myself. I ask very little of you. 
I take care of everything. I have 20 employees. He's like, I will take the garbage out. I will. I promise. It's like, why do I do that? Yeah. I mean, that's very relatable for sure. (laughs) I do think that there is a huge thing for whatever reason, it's hard for us, especially as women to ask for what we need. We do it sometimes passively or even passive aggressively or things like, yeah, well, if you had only done that or, oh, I can't believe, you know, we, and we expect people to read our minds sometimes as well. And there is the more research and work and just experience and coaching people that I have in my own stuff. It is amazing. It's so vulnerable because there's that moment when you ask that they might say no. And then, then we contend with, well, what does that mean about me? Is that a problem about me? Or maybe I'm even now more pissed at my husband or whatever that might look like. But I can remember when when I first got married, I came home and my husband, I didn't realize I did this until he said, he goes, you know, you tend to say at the end of the day, like, you come home and say, oh, I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of myself. And I said, what? Well, maybe because I am. I mean, I was yeah. a little bit annoyed because I thought, well, what's wrong with that? I'm sharing this. But what I learned is that when I positioned it differently and I said, oh my gosh, honey, I want to celebrate a win that I had today. Will you celebrate with me? It was a total different like energetic feeling. And what right. I've come to analyze in myself is that when I was saying I'm so proud of myself, it was like a rescue wish with the, the psychology mm-hmm. term of where it's that, oh, please, will you notice me? I'm going to say I'm so proud of myself. So hopefully you'll say how proud you are of me too. Now, I didn't think, I wasn't consciously thinking that, but it made me realize, okay, well, it all goes back to what results do we want? I want a result where my husband is actually excited about celebrating something mm-hmm. with me, not feeling like, oh, there she goes again, <laughs> saying she's proud of herself. Right. Right. Yes. That resonates with me because I tend to do that. My husband's like, what? (laughs) Again? All right. You know, but if I say, oh, hey, this is a big deal. This is the first time I landed a client of this size or Mm -hmm. the first time I was on national news. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that is a big deal, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So what have you seen over the years? You've been doing this for a long time. You've been focusing on communication. What have you seen? Are we better or worse at communicating now? (laughs) There's so many qualifiers to that. (laughs) I'd say number one, you have to have the mindset of intentionally working on it. If you're not doing that, you're not going to be any better than you were 20 years ago. Or Mm -hmm. I would say, though, if I were to answer that from a culture perspective, I do think that we're better because there is a lot more value now in what traditionally were called soft skills. Right. Because, you know, think back to like the more autocratic management style, and that was just do what your boss tells you. Whereas now things like empathy and vulnerability are getting a lot more attention. Mm -hmm. And that's really where if we think about any consulting book that has been written, the biggest problems that you see is not in a process, not in a structure, it's in relationships. And what is the core at connecting and having good relationships? Well, that's communication. So I do think it's better because there's more exposure. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if somebody's not interested or they're not wanting to get better, then it's not going to make a difference. And what do you think the impact of social media has been on communication? Because I will say it's a big, flat, bad thing. I think people hide behind texting, emails. Um, It took me a long time. I've had this business for 16 years. And, you know, when people want to tell you something bad, 
they want to send you a text or email. And I'm like, no, you got to deliver bad news in person. Like you just have to. And so I trained my young staff, like come in and talk to me about something. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think it's an important skill for sure. Absolutely. Well, it is true. There's so many forms outside of face-to-face and you know, now, now this is almost, well, this is technically face-to-face right. and now. So that's really been fascinating, but I do think that it's easier to say something that you wouldn't normally say in person, especially in an email or mm-hmm. yeah, a text for sure. And this, I'll come back again to being intentional. It goes back to what is the result that you want to have? We might feel like, oh, this is how I'm, I'm just going to say this, especially in conflict. We feel like we just want to say things and let it land. Right. And not wait for the response. Or it's almost like we don't want to face what that response could be. And that takes a lot of courage to stand in the face of something that might potentially be uncomfortable. What's interesting to me is that a lot of, conversations that we think are going to be around conflict actually don't need to be, we, but we perceive them in our heads of, oh, this is going to be hard, or this is going to be scary. And then we shy away from it. So I love that you're training your team to do those things in person because, and it's the same thing with, well, you know, once you go back and forth once or t- once or twice in an email, even if it's not a conflict, I feel like, okay, now, now's the time to pick up the phone. I mean, yes. honestly, I feel like I have two framing questions that I love to use, especially when it's either an awkward moment or you're just not sure what to do, is to take a step back and ask yourself these two questions. What's needed here and what's required of me? So all to the benefit of what is the ultimate result that I want. So what's needed here and what is required of me? Yes. I like that. It's a good way to frame issues. Thanks. So what do you see now, like post-COVID in your work? Are you working mostly with companies or individuals? Mostly companies, but also when I say individuals, it's mostly group individuals. So individuals that join my group coaching program, for example, but I do quite a bit of speaking engagements in person as well as virtual, doing more in person now, but also a lot of corporate work, which is really fun because every package is so different. Mm-hmm. It might be more traditional presentation skills. It might be facilitating retreats or just simply facilitating discussion. And I'd say one of my favorite things is dealing with conflict. And in fact, I'm doing a talk on that in an hour around how to have tough conversations at work. Ooh, that's yeah. me up. <laughs> that's awesome. So I know you have something coming up in the new year. Tell me about your group coaching program. Yeah, it's called Speak with Confidence. It runs for six weeks. And I love that it's a nice intimate group of five women. Mm-hmm. And it takes a, it's a trajectory from you're looking at your personal brand identity, how you want people to experience you, to video recording you on your executive presence, as well as tackling self-doubt and really tactical things around how do you actually make a powerful ask? What's the structure to do that? How do you deal with the mindset underneath that, as well as storytelling in general conversation and anything really that you need to deal with those communication situations where it might be a little bit challenging. So whether you want to speak up at meetings or whether you're trying to negotiate a salary or a promotion, anything related to confidence and communication, we cover. That's great. So it's six weeks. It starts on January 13th. How long are the, the meetups? Yep. Every, they're 90 minutes. Okay. Over Zoom, over Zoom once a week. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So High Wire Woman, we're going to have that in our show notes. We'll have a link to that and Karen's website as well. So you can check that out if you're interested. So two things we have to talk about before I let you go. First, tell everyone about your polar plunge experience. Okay. Yes. So I did a polar plunge ever since I was a kid at camp. I wanted to do it, but it was 5 a.m. and I'm a night owl. So I never (laughs) got up. Every time I would set my alarm, I'd hit snooze. But that was in the summer. So that isn't even close to what I just did last week in Occidental, California, where it was about 50 degrees outside and the river was about 40. Mm. If I, we were to guess, and I got a witness on that, so <laughs> not making it up. And I jumped into the river in the freezing cold water. And not only once, but I did it twice. And wow. it was so exhilarating. I was intrigued. I didn't want to do it, but I knew I was intrigued and I love new experiences. So I jumped in and now I can say I did it. And it wasn't as hard as I thought. That's awesome. We have one here in Buffalo. That's always like in the dead of winter and like mid January when it's like, five degrees out and the Uh, Lake Erie is like 10 degrees and people go out and they show them on the news and their bikinis. I'm like, God bless. Now that's, that's hardcore. (laughs) That's hardcore. I I, I did a middle of the road one. (laughs) Well, still impressive nonetheless. And speaking of impressive, I saw on your bio that you for your 50th birthday rented an apartment for a month in New York city. I did. Tell me about that. Sure. Well, I like to think of myself as a follower of dreams and making them happen. So my first dream was to live in San Francisco. Now talking geographical dreams. Mm -hmm. My other dream was always to live in Manhattan. And I was sitting on my couch back in September of 2017 thinking, oh, I want to buy a house. Oh, it's so expensive in the Bay Area. Maybe I should look at New York and see (laughs) what their prices are. And then I had this epiphany and I thought, I don't need to buy a house there why don't I just rent one for a month for my 50th birthday? What a great occasion. And that was in October of that year. So I just got the sweetest deal. Turns out a friend of mine, I was about to drop five grand on a studio apartment. And then I found out a friend of mine was leaving to go to Africa and she has a two bedroom apartment. So it was unbelievable for a fraction of that cost. It was was a dream come true. And I lived like a local for that month and had the time of my life. Yeah, really fun. That's awesome. That's my retirement plan. Oh, or maybe not retirement, but maybe in the next 10 years, I don't want to like retire to Florida to the same place, you know, every year. I want to go to a different city every month for like the winter because I'm a Northeast girl. So everybody leaves here like, you know, after Christmas and comes back before Easter. So I said to my husband, it'd be really cool to spend like a month living in Boston or a month living in Santa Fe or, you know, just to live like a local because I love to travel, but I always feel so rushed. Like I only have two days and I have to see everything. And then you only see like the surface stuff. Yeah. Like, I want to feel like the nitty gritty. I want to know what the culture is. I want to find the dive bars or mom and pop restaurants where the locals go. And so that's really, you know, our son's 15. I figure I've got like a 10 year runway. Um, Okay, sure. And I just think that's so cool. And when I saw that, I was like, I definitely want to know more about that experience. (laughs) Well, thank you. Very yeah, cool. it was really fun. I think you and I would be really good travel partners if we travel <laughs> together. It sounds exactly like I like to do. That sounds awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much for helping us communicate better, knowing our worth, trying to figure out what we actually want out of a conversation. Definitely great takeaways. And high wire women, don't be afraid to ask for what 
you want and what you deserve. And if you have any questions or you want to join Karen's group, it's Karen Laus, L-A-O-S.com. We will have that in our show notes. And until next time, stay on that highway. Thank you for listening to the Highwire Woman podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or others, I hope you'll share it with a friend so together we can all stay on that high wire of life. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode and follow us on social media at Highwire Woman for more information. Until next time, I'm Rosanna Berardi. Be sure to stay on that high wire of life.